Rob Bro. He's your sports bro at KKAM.com and the Talk 1340 app. There's nothing balanced about 50% run, 50% pass, because that's 50% stupid. This notion that if you hand it to one guy 50% of the time and then you throw it to a combination of two guys, the other 50%, that you're really balanced and you proudly pat yourself on the back and tell yourself that. And people have been doing that for decades. Well, then you're delusional. Well, you know, we're balanced. 50% run, 50% pass, you know. No, there's nothing clever about that. The wishbone, who I think is a great offense, there's nothing 50% run about the wishbone. They're, they're like 95% run. But everybody touched the ball. That's why it's one of the greatest offenses uh, devised. Arctic Air Studios. You can text in today, 806-855-3712, 806-855-3712. That's the text line. Obviously, we'll be discussing Mike Leach today and beyond, his coaching tree, his legacy, and more. It grows again today as former Incarnate Word head coach, former Texas Tech offensive coordinator under Cliff Kingsbury, Former Texas Tech wide receiver under Mike Leach, Eric Morris has been named or is planning to be named as the head coach at North Texas. A great hire by North Texas. Eric Morris was also rumored to be a front runner for the Texas State job opening, uh, but North Texas scoops them and goes after. The young Eric Morris, who will now have another head coaching job at a level up. He left Incarnate Word to go be at Washington State for a year. He comes back to Texas to be the head coach in Denton. Uh, and just another head coach with ties to Mike Leach. I said earlier on the Raiderland that that, tro- that tree would continue to grow. And eventually you'll see guys who were coached by guys who were coached by Mike Leach as head coaches with air air raid philosophies. And if you don't want to call it the air raid anymore, if you think it's grown past that, fine. But the basic backbone, the scheme, the philosophies, the concepts, the route trees that Mike Leach innovated... And grew out of the Hal Mummy offense. He is a godfather of current football. Not just college football. But the new style in the NFL. There are teams that have 90% shotgun action. And 
And a lot of that outgrowth is from the air raid and from Mike Leach. The impact on Texas high school football in the early 2000s out of Lubbock and out of Texas Tech was grand and understated. It's like the entire state of Texas originating maybe in the DFW from Lubbock out of Texas Tech into the high school ranks went from everyone running the wing tee to immediately everyone being in shotgun. There are high schools who have not taken a snap under center since 2002 because of the air raid philosophies and how it barnstormed. Texas high school football when Mike Leach rose to prominence at Lubbock's Texas Tech University. I also wanted to double down on the thought from earlier in the show that Mike Leach always, always loved Lubbock. And when you see other coaches come and go, two former coaches in particular, since Mike Leach in the football program who have left and made disparaging comments or just didn't really develop a sense of love for Lubbock while they were here. And for Mike Leach to have so much animosity toward particular members of the university to still be all in on Lubbock and talk highly of Lubbock and remember Lubbock and come back to Lubbock was really special. You could tell that Mike Leach was a genuine human being And that he genuinely loved his time at Texas Tech, even through the departure and everything else that went on. Some texts off the text line to start the show. We'll wrap up the final hour of the Raiderland here on the Rob Bro Show. Talk 103.9 News Money Sports. Again, the text line 806-855-3712. Mike Leach gave Texas Tech a personality, the texter says. Same as Daryl Royal at Texas, Bear Bryant at Alabama, Steve Spurrier at Florida. The fan base expects the team to play a certain way, to take the field with a specific swagger. It's different than tradition. It's what you see as a fan. And how you see yourself as a fan. Absolutely. And an underrated aspect of the Mike Leach tenure was even when you were down, you were never out. Even when you trailed, didn't matter who you were trailing against, you knew that there was a possibility of a comeback. The insight bowl, 31 points down, come back. The fight of the Pirates seemed to lose its luster at the Jones, the pirate ship, as it was known in the late 2000s, that home field advantage lost its luster. But it was never greater than when it was at its peak when Mike Leach and the personality enveloped the entire fan base. This off the text line, I've long thought about the light bulb moment for the air raid and what it was capable of as the 2002 NC State game, a comeback loss in overtime. 
followed it up with the comeback win in College Station and then a defeat of top five, I think, Texas a few weeks later. Yeah, that 2002 season was really when Mike Leach and the Red Raiders broke onto the scene. It wasn't immediate success for Mike Leach, but that 2002 season with a tangerine beatdown of Clemson, 55-15, to also in that season, you beat Eli Manning's Ole Miss. You lose to Phillip Rivers' NC State team 51-48 in overtime, ranked 16 at the time. You beat in overtime number 23, Texas A&M. Seneca Wallace gets you. A ranked Colorado gets you. But the only two losses there, or the three losses so far, were ranked teams. And then to close the year, the final two weeks of the season, you beat number three, Texas, 42-38. Number three, Texas. And then lose to number four, Oklahoma. So your three losses in Big 12 play, ranked Texas A&M, ranked Colorado, ranked in the top five, Oklahoma. Then you also lost out of conference to a ranked NC State team. You ended up 9-5. and five, And again, dominated. Dominated. Clemson in that bowl game. Moving forward to 2003 with B.J. Simmons. You go 8-5 and five again, 4-4 four and four in Big 12 play. But then you also hammer Navy in a bowl game. And again, three of the losses at NC State again. Oklahoma State on the road against a ranked Oklahoma State team, 49-51. At Missouri, at Texas, who was number six at the time, and then you lost to number one, Oklahoma. That Texas loss in Austin was 43-40. So even as early as 2002 and 2003, you really did see the emergence of what the air raid could be. And then from 04 to 06, you win eight games, nine games, eight games. With two bowl wins over California and Minnesota. That Minnesota Bowl, the inside bowl, the infamous inside bowl, the overtime win. And arguably your best season outside of 2008 in the Mike Leach era was that 05 season where you went 10-2 and in regular season play and then lost to Alabama. By the way, his knee was down early in the game. And then you lost on the ugliest, the ugliest field goal of all time against Alabama in the Cotton Bowl. 07, you double down with another 9-4 and four season with a bowl win over Chris Long and Virginia. 08, well-documented, 11-1 regular season, a loss to Ole Miss in the bowl game. And then 2009, the final year, another 9-win season with a win over Michigan State uh, that was not coached by Mike Leach. But an 8-4 and four season nonetheless. 
And when you look back at that, that 5-3 and three Big 12 record in 2009 was your peak. Until this year when you finally won five Big 12 games again and went 5-4 and four in Big 12 play with a 7-5 record and an opportunity to beat Ole Miss in a bowl game. Something you have not done before. But Mike Leach beat Ole Miss twice in 02 and 03 with Cliff and BJ, quarterback, home and away. I've had the privilege to talk to several Mike Leach players over the years, uh, really in the last year, and they all had similar thoughts and processes on what Mike Leach was like as a coach and as a person and in the locker room. And I'm sure there are guys out there with negative memories of Mike Leach, but they're few and far between. And what's really striking is how many people have a Mike Leach story. Yeah, I was at a bar one time, and we were talking, and it was two hours later, and we realized it was late. The wrong number story from Lincoln Riley we told on the Raiderland, where he answered a phone call, was on for an hour, lost connection, and then talked for 30 more minutes, and they said, Coach, who was that? An old friend? And he said, no, it was a wrong number. Everyone has... Those stories, not everyone, but a lot of people have those stories. We talked to Mike Leach for about an hour last night on the Gambling Gauchos. If you want to go back and listen to that, you can find it on KKM.com or wherever you find podcasts. But my co-host Kyle Jacobson talked about the impact of Mike Leach beyond football for Texas Tech University. And how many thousands of people decided to come to Texas Tech because the football team was good? And how many of those thousands found spouses and family at Texas Tech? And how many of those thousands went on to have kids that also have gone to Texas Tech? Or will go to Texas Tech? Or have grown up as Texas Tech fans outside of the Leach era? And might now be finding another coach that they can lean into with Joey McGuire. And we talk about Mike Leach's unconventional road to coaching stardom. Where he is a law grad from Pepperdine. And decides to get into coaching instead and goes to Valdosta State and gets to Kentucky and meets Hal Mummy. And then goes on to Oklahoma and is an offensive coordinator for a season or two at Oklahoma, and then comes to Texas Tech. What a weird and winding road. And the similarity today with Joey McGuire and his weird and winding road, maybe more conventional, but being a head football coach at the high school level for more than a decade, winning state championships, then going to Baylor for five years, getting passed over for the head coaching job in favor of Dave Aranda, and then landing at Texas Tech where his daughter went. It's just another piece of kismet, of destiny maybe. Mike Leach was always destined to be at Texas Tech, Joey McGuire too, and it's just an interesting concept that football and sports sometimes bigger than life and stranger than fiction. We'll be back after this. With more Rob Bro Show on Talk 103.9 News, Money Sports.
Welcome back. I'm on. It's Rob Bro Show. Talk 103.9 News. Money Sports Bowl games start this Friday, December 16th. Uh, the Bahamas Bowl at 10.30 a.m. on ESPN between Miami and UAB. Miami and Alabama-Birmingham meeting in the Bahamas to play a football game, just like we all need at 10.30 on ESPN. Following that, the Tail Greeter Cure Bowl. Also, that day, oh man, 2 p.m. on an on a ESPN network. And then on Saturday, this Saturday, you have the Fenway Bowl between Cincinnati and Louisville. And that game is played in Fenway. 11 a.m. start local time there in Boston. 10 a.m. obviously here in Lubbock. And you have the Celebration Bowl, NC Central versus Jackson State. Las Vegas Bowl, Oregon State versus Florida. The LA Bowl, Washington State versus Fresno State. And I'm assuming that is Los Angeles and not Louisiana. Well, is that the... um, I think that's actually the Los Angeles Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. Yeah, I don't see the Jimmy the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. Why Jimmy Kimmel needs a bowl, I have no idea. The Jimmy Kimmel come on out to Jimmy Kimmel's bowl. I know nothing about football. I'm Jimmy Kimmel. I used to host the Man Show. Now I hate everything fun. Still comedy. Ha <laughs> ha, Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, and then you have the Lending Tree Bowl, the New Mexico Bowl. New Mexico Bowl between SMU and BYU. And then the Frisco Bowl, Boise State and North Texas there in Frisco. One of the great bowls, the Frisco Bowl. Um, and a great venue there in Frisco, Texas. Uh, before you get into next week's bowl games. But those bowl games will happen this week on Friday and Saturday um, Stuart Mandel wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was just last week, it's all run together so far, about basically you're stupid if you think there's too many bowls, but that's just how Stuart Mandel writes, but uh, it's just, it's amazing to me that people are sitting here defending the Bahamas Bowl and the Los Angeles Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. As bowls that we need in bowl season. We don't. If you're defending a 6-6 six and six team getting a bowl game because they deserve it and think of the kids and all of this perspective, well, they need the practice. No, they don't. If you think bowl teams need practice, if you go 6-6, six and six, you get an extra week of spring football. How about that? That's real practice. Get those gray shirts in there. Get those freshmen in there and practice with them. It is a shamakery, a sham and a mockery of college football that we have to sit here through bowl season, these first two weeks of bowl season. Now, I love bowl season. I do. But like starting at the Armed Forces Bowl, that's when you need us the next on the 22nd next Thursday 
Baylor and Air Force. That's a bowl game. Houston, Louisiana. And I'm not just anti-group of five, okay? But Miami and UAB meeting in the Bahamas to play a football game, to me, is stupid. Nobody's going to watch that. Nobody's tuning in at 10.30 on a Friday morning to watch Miami, who got housed in the ACC. They're a national brand. No, they aren't. They haven't been since, like, Larry Coker in 2000, when Willis McGahee blew out his knee on national television in the national championship game. People care about Miami. Back to the text line. Um... You covered already my anticipation of the 2000-2001 seasons and Leach's air raid offensive being a dink and pass throwing sort of screen pass offense. Also seeing the wide gaps between the linemen for the first time. Then it actually started working and the rest was offensive history. Absolutely. And the wide splits is another thing that's kind of underrated that that did develop. We played a, a team in high school in the playoffs, and they were using the leech splits, and it was such a weird thing. It was like, I don't know, 2004, 2005? And it was just such a foreign concept, but all of that originated from Mike Leach and Texas Tech. Rob, I remember my anticipation for the new pass-crazed coach in 2000, and that season of Leach's air raid offense being a dull pass and then it started working yes i will say this too mike leach developed at texas tech you know a lot of people come in and say he was just he had the offense and then it worked but no he had to figure out how it worked at this level and with these athletes the photo I love is one of the leach guns up with the east end construction in the background so much in one photo Lots of iconic photos. There's two different iconic photos of him going out of the tunnel with his double guns up. Uh, And then obviously the one in the Holiday Bowl where uh, Cody Campbell and other players are carrying him out on their shoulders. That's a great one, too. That is an iconic photo as well. More texts on the text line. You can keep sending them in. We'll take the break here when we come back. More Rob Bro Show. Bowl talk. Jimmy Kimmel Bowl talk. And more on this show today. We'll also continue discussing Mike Leach and his legacy here in Lubbock and beyond. It's the Rob Bro Show. Talk 103.9 News Money Sports. Welcome back. The Rob Rose Show Talk 103.9 News Money Sports. This off the text line is Rusty Stats, center from Western Kentucky transfer to tech, a done deal. Hearing he was a priority and a great fit that should start at center with Dennis Wilburn sliding to guard and Cole Spencer starting at the other guard. Uh, two things here. I believe so. Although I don't think it's been officially announced. There was some uh, rumor mill and some coaching tweets that went out. But I don't, I have not seen personally the official um, remarks there. I will say this. 
The offensive line is going to look different next year. Cole Spencer, obviously a year in the program, injured this year, will probably slot in to start next year. Um, there's a reason he stayed. Dennis Wilburn, I believe, can return, but has not announced a return. And I would assume in the next two days you'll see some more transfers in and out of Texas Tech. Uh, and maybe along that offensive line... Uh, but potentially you have several starters returning. Um, it's a much maligned offensive line that needs to get better. I thought it did get better this year. Uh, excited about Coach Hamby and that progress this year. And I think you could keep the guys you had this year and run it back and they would improve again. Adding Cole Spencer, who would slot in in Weston Wright's position who right now is the only offensive lineman moving on again Dennis Wilburn I believe has an opportunity to come back for another year uh, but on December 13th uh, I am not prepared to say any starting lineups for the Texas Tech offensive line uh, you could have position changes you could move guys around you could have tackles playing center you could have guards at at fullback, whatever you want to do. There's going to be a lot of position changes and movement and transfers along that offensive line, I think. Now, if they started a game this year, I would assume they come back and they'll probably be slotted into the starting lineup until somebody takes their job. Uh, Ty Buchanan, who was a redshirt freshman this year, will obviously get a look at one of the tackle positions. I thought Monroe Mills... Played well this year. The transfer from Oklahoma State. He'll be back, allegedly. Uh, I say allegedly because in today's college football world, everyone is a legend until it's announced or they're back on campus for for spring football, right? That's just the nature of the beast. Uh, the news yesterday, though, for Texas Tech and an announced returner, Xavier White, uh, announces his return for another season. And Malik Dunlap announces his return for another season. Two huge announcements for Texas Tech. At times, for a stretch, Xavier White was your best wide receiver. Uh, this season. So, uh, a great day of news yesterday for Texas Tech football. Defensively with Malik Dunlap and then offensively with Xavier White. Uh, this text with some nuanced thoughts on Mike Leach. While the praise for Mike Leach's life and career is much deserved, glossing over Leach's stubbornness to adapt in coaching, mainly defense, and his ability to hold grudges off the field shows that he is flawed like all of us. Uh, sure, yeah. And I don't know that it, Mike Leach didn't have a personal grudge with me. So I think his deal with Texas Tech was a little bit silly on both ends. I thought that that could have been resolved at the time, and then it grew and festered. But for all of Mike Leach's grudges against that administration, I thought he clarified 
recently that he was not mad at Texas Tech University. He was mad at the people in charge of Texas Tech University at the time of his departure. He was mad at the state of Texas for their laws and regulations. Um, But again, as I said earlier in the show, he always loved Lubbock and he always loved Texas Tech fans. And he showed that. And I just think we've, we've had 10 years to discuss the grudge. I don't think today is glossing over it. I think it, it was wrapped up. And when they played him in a bowl last year, I thought that that was buried. I don't think we need to discuss it. I'm not glossing over it as much as it was just done. At the end of that bowl game last year, the pirate, cr- uh, the pirate curse was buried, right? That's what we all said. Uh, make fun of Jimmy Kimmel more, please, and thank you. Yeah, anytime. Anytime Jimmy Kimmel comes up, I'll talk about bad late-night television is right now. Uh, is Leach the winningest coach at Texas Tech? Uh, there, yes. Easy answer, yes. There are some uh, percentages and whatever else, conference percentages, lengthwise, most wins. Um, but for all respects and purposes, Mike Leach is the most winning coach at Texas Tech in Texas Tech's history, yes. For now. Uh, this off the text line, wow, that rant about Jimmy Kimmel was spot on. Well done. I'm glad everyone hates Jimmy Kimmel like I do. I don't hate Jimmy Kimmel. The Jimmy Kimmel Bowl is stupid. And in my opinion, late night talk television died when Jimmy Fallon rubbed Donald Trump's hair. That was a turning point in late night television. Siri, nobody's talking to you. As the late uh, late night television kind of died at this point. Now, in the control room there, there's some Jimmy Kimmel hate as well. It's well-deserved. Jimmy Kimmel built a career on being exactly what he purports to hate today. And there was never any big apologies or anything on it. It was just one day he woke up and was a, a new human being. And nothing else he ever said mattered. And he gets a free pass, I guess, because he's on ABC and is, yeah, interesting, interesting course study there with Jimmy Kimmel. Coach Leach's speech after the Baylor game in 2009 was one of the greatest of all time. He never let those guys get big. That was from the first hour. Oh, that was a good text. I'll keep reading. Uh, just his interviews in general were also entertaining. Yeah, and that was after a win we talked in the first hour. Uh, in 2009 against Baylor, the last regular season game of the year, his final game to coach at Texas Tech, uh, he won 20-13. to I think Kyler... Mer- oh, that was last... Okay, hold on. <laughs> These texts come in threads. It's hard to get to sometimes when I'm alone in here trying to figure it out. All right. What was Tech thinking letting go of Leach when they did? Again. You know, let's just talk about it. A lot of times in jobs and in relationships, there is a natural ending. 
and the drama and everything else and how it went down that surrounded Mike Leach leaving Texas Tech was unfortunate. But I think that that was a natural end that was, let's say, mutual on both sides. If Mike Leach wasn't fired, he would have been gone in a year or two anyways, and it would have been contentious. Very rarely do you see a coach stay at one place as long as Mike Leach stayed at Texas Tech anyways. And Mike Leach went on to be at Washington State for about as long, and then he moved on to Mississippi State. I think there's a lot of, well, Texas Tech was wrong. Well, Mike Leach was wrong in a lot of that, too. And Mike Leach was interviewing for jobs and trying to better his career and thought that he could move up in the world. And in a lot of ways, he did by going to Washington State and proving that he could go to two different places and do the same thing and be successful. But I I think the conversation of why did Texas Tech fire him is just so lost now a decade later, and it's a lot more nuanced than just that. I mean, there was there's two parties, right? There's two stories. There's uh, what is it? The uh, the truth is an ocean. On one side of the ocean is one story. On the other side of the ocean is another story, and the truth, the real truth, is somewhere on an island in the middle. And on that island, you can find the truth about Mike Leach and Texas Tech, but today, we focus on all the memories and the water in between. You know, they asked Blackbeard one time what the best part about being a pirate was. Was it the booty? Was it the pillaging? And Blackbeard said, no, the true treasure was the friends and friendships you make along the way. This off the text line, what do you think of Dallas signing Hilton? He's not Odell Beckham Jr., but as a guy who has played uh, as recently as last year, he still seems to have some juice. Uh, You can get into 11 personnel more often. If he can still be a true deep threat, he is a great signing. But here's the deal. It's a one-year signing, and it's cheap. And there is absolutely zero downside to T.Y. Hilton signing. There is some potential downside to signing Odell Beckham Jr. for three years when he might not play this year. With T.Y. Hilton, there is zero potential downside. If he doesn't play, he doesn't play. If he gets on the field, he gets on the field. If he helps, he helps. If he doesn't help, he doesn't help. But you're just affected by this year. It's not He's not looking for a long-term deal. I think you did need a potential deep threat. I wonder why they haven't tried to use Kevontae Turpin down the field. Uh, but if they think T.Y. Hilton, obviously a more polished and successful career than, than Kevontae Turpin, who I still think is going to break one. He had a really bad game against the Texans. Uh, He had the muff punt early that kind of got Texans back in the game, and then he 
uh, ran past the ball at the five yard line or the ten yard line and let it drop and rolled with one. But he still has game breaking speed that I think can take a kick or a punt back uh, in the right scenario. All right, we'll take one final break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the Jimmy Kimmel Hate Hour on the Rob Bro Show. Talk 103.9 News Money Sports. Welcome back. It's Rob Bro Show. Talk 103.9 News Money Sports. Question in the last segment was Mike Leach the winningest coach of all time at Texas Tech? Yes. When you ask it that way, he is the winningest head coach with 84 wins. Spike Dykes had 82 wins as the Texas Tech head coach. But the argument here is that Pete Cawthon is the best coach in Texas Tech history. He coached less games, but in more seasons. He also had six ties, but was 76-32, and 32, a 693 winning percentage. But, but, that was from 1930 to 1940. Mike Leach coaching in 127 games. From 2000 to 2009, a 661 winning percentage at Texas Tech. 693 for Pete Cawthon, who coached 114 total games and had 76 wins. But, yes, Mike Leach, the winningest head coach in Texas Tech history. He also had uh, Big 12 Coach of the Year, uh, several National Coaches of the Year, Spike Dykes, in the very first year of the Big 12, was the Big 12 Coach of the Year. He coached in 150 games. Uh, The longest tenured head coach in Texas Tech history, as far as games played and seasons coached, was 82-67, and a 550 overall record. So Mike Leach, Pete Cawthon... Uh, Then maybe some short-lived stints like Steve Sloan uh, or E.Y. Freeland going all the way back uh, as coaches who have great winning percentage, but not just the tenure. Jim Carlin as well, coached for five seasons, won 59 games, 6-4-4 winning percentage there. Uh, Tommy Tuberville, for what it's worth, the 541, 20-17 as the head coach in 37 games at Texas Tech. But Mike Leach, and again, the grudges, the ignoring the the defensive side of the ball in some respects that people thought, even though you had a pretty dadgum good defense and talent on the defensive side of the ball for the final several years of the Mike Leach era and even in the early years, but the insistence of running an offense that was not conducive or complimentary and just having the defense figure it out, for all of that, for all of the cantankerous moments with media and beefs with media members, through all of that, Mike Leach still leaves a ginormous impact on the game. 
And I understand the outpouring of love and respect from Lubbock fans and Texas Tech fans, from Pullman and Washington State fans, and from Starkville and Mississippi State fans. Because everywhere he went, he was successful. You could argue in a lot of ways he's the best coach in Texas Tech history. And if you comb through Washington State, there's probably not a ton of coaches better than Mike Leach. He didn't have long at Mississippi State, but he was building a resume there too. I talked yesterday about when I remember Mike Leach, I remember memories from 2000 to 2009. And a lot of those involved me going to games with my dad. And it's kind of reflectionary today as you sit and see a man who's 61 suddenly pass. Life is short, folks. Call your family. Talk to your loved ones. And remember Mike Leach and the Pirate. And that fighting spirit he showed at Texas Tech where even though you're down, even though it seems impossible, you keep going. We'll see you next time on the Raiderland, 11 a.m. tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed by the participants on this Talk 1340 program are not necessarily the views of Talk 1340, its advertisers, staff, management, or Town Square Media.